Hey, this is Jason Krog, and you're listening to the Tomahawk Roundup. All right, so what is going on, guys? This is Frank Zorowski here with the Tomahawk Roundup, and I am joined by Chicago Wolves alum and Chicago Wolves legend, Jason Krog. Jason, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good, Frank. How about you? I'm doing really well. Doing really well. Really excited to have you on the show. Nice. Likewise. I'm uh, honored to be on the show. Yeah. So you won the Hobie Baker during your time at New Hampshire. What does that special distinction mean to you? Uh, I mean, it kind of uh, capped off, uh, you know, a very enjoyable, I guess, pretty successful uh, career at UNH. Uh, you know, I got the chance to play with some great players, great coach, and, uh, you know, it was just a, a fun time in my life. And, uh, you know, it was it's obviously nice to get individual awards, but um, uh, it's still, you know, kicking at me that uh, we didn't win the national championship there. So, I mean, it's obviously good memories, and a lot of my closest friends are still, you know, my college roommates and college teammates, and... and you know, lifelong friends. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's obviously that's the that's the team first mentality we've heard from other guys about you. It's like you know, it's great that you won that Hobie Baker, but you, your focus has always on been on the team, and that's something a lot of people have spoken about when referring to what you've done on and off the ice. Well, I, I mean, it's it's pretty simple. I mean, there's no way I could have done any of the stuff that I did without, you know, like I said, having people around me making me better, whether it's players, you know, learning from them, uh, or coaches, or, you know, obviously my parents and everyone else. So, you know, I feel fortunate, you know, in the different places I was, whether it was UNH or teams, especially Chicago, you know, being put in good positions, uh, you know, the coaches giving me the opportunities and, you know, the GMs and the owners and everything like that. So anyone who plays hockey or a team sport knows that, uh, takes you know a whole, a whole organization you know including the fans of that to, to have success yeah so as a member of the new york islanders organization um you were a part of the inaugural roster of the bridgeport sound tigers how was that experience for you being part of the beginning of such a storied american league franchise yeah it was it was a great experience because the first couple years uh i mean i was up and down with the islanders but they didn't have a full team, I guess, in the minors, uh, in the AHL. They had part of Lowell and then part of, like, Chicago in the, I, in the IHL. So uh, it was nice that they finally got a team and, you know, Bridgeport, you know, welcomed us. They had a great owner, a nice brand-new facility, and, you know, New York put together a good team there. You know, we had a lot of good young prospects, and they sprinkled in some good veterans, too. And, uh, you know, it was a successful year for us, and, Unfortunately, we ran up against uh, a hot Chicago Wolves team that year in the, in the finals. That's, that, is, that is some foreshadowing. That is some real foreshadowing of what was to come in your career uh, coming up against a hot Chicago Wolves team. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, you know, the, I'm trying, what's, what was the goalie? The passing permanent, I believe it was, in Chicago. Um. I think we outshot them quite badly in most games, and we they had a veteran team, you know, really good part, obviously really good team, well coached and everything like that. Uh, but I mean, we had a lot of young talent on that team, great goaltending, you know, like Ricky Pietro, and if you went through the list, you know, a lot of guys went on, Rafi Torres and you know, Trent Hunter and Yuri Kolnick and Meze and all that went on to have great NHL 
biggest that, that veteran presence made a big difference in, in the key key times I guess during the series. Yeah, and that and that's a that's a big deal the veteran presence because a lot of the the teams these days you know they're looking for the next fastest smartest strongest like what's next up the pipeline but when you when you you're you can't see the forest through the trees through through some cases when you when you have like that established veteran presence like you were talking about with Bridgeport yeah I mean I believe in development through winning too right it's it's like you want to learn teach the kids the right way you know how to do things and you know they got to earn you know, earn their ice time, you know, earn their opportunity. And, and there's no better way than guys that have been through it and, you know, learn from people before them. And, uh, you know, I think once you learn that mentality going forward, you know, you can take it with you for, you know, the rest of your career. Yeah. The successful franchises, you know, like Chicago, uh, you know, they've done that. And, uh, you know, that's why, you know, they have been where they are. I mean, they always have, a lot of veterans on the team and that, but the young players that do come in and the prospects usually develop well and, you know, end up, end up having long, uh, uh, great careers. Yeah. So before playing in Anaheim with the Mighty Ducks, you played with Cincinnati um, of the American League. What was that unique hockey environment like to play in? You know, you don't think of Ohio as um, a big hockey environment, but from what I've heard, it was a, it was a really bustling time with the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks. Yeah, it was. I think they had a good season the year, the previous year. Um, I actually only spent maybe like a month or so there, but I mean, the time I was there, uh, you know, great coach, uh, like Brad Shaw, who's I don't know if he was with, he was with, he was with one of the NHL teams. I can't remember which one he's with now, but um, you know, great coaches and good players, and you know, a nice city actually to live in, like lots to do and and. Uh, stuff like that and you know same thing a good good team and a good organization and it's surprisingly yeah, a fun place to play I guess yeah so I want to take you back to one game in particular that I know you played that was kind of overshadowed by your captain at the time uh, Paul Correa with the Anaheim the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim uh, game six of the 2003 Stanley Cup finals I want you to take us through the roller coaster of Paul Correa's um Injury at the hands of Scott Stevens, the return, and then the off-the-floor-on-the-board goal that Paul Correa would score uh, after returning from the game. I mean, from an observer's perspective, from a teammate's perspective, what was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I watched a lot of it. I didn't play a ton, but, uh, you know, I think everyone, the feeling, you know, the, the deadness of the arena when, when he did get hit, uh, it was like, you know, he had a history of concussions and, I mean, Scott Stevens is probably one of the, you know, the most prolific hitters there, there is, if not the most, you know, and, you know, so obviously everyone assumed that, you know, he was done, you know, have, you know, not going to come back or whatever, but, you know, Paul being, you know, the competitor he is and, uh, everything like that, he's such a fighter and such a leader, uh, you know, somehow, you know, miraculously and, uh, came back and it's one thing to you know, get back out there and just, you know, be out there. But, I mean, he obviously was the difference maker, too. And, you know, that's why he's such a special player, Hall of Famer, and, you know, yada, 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 yada. But uh, just crazy emotions. I mean, that whole, you know, Stanley Cup run, I think, you know, I should say the last half of the season and then throughout the playoffs was kind of all a blur. Everything kind of just went so fast. But, uh, you know, it's 
what can happen when a team comes together and uh, you know everyone buys in and you know is uh, comfortable with their role and you know set on achieving goals. And that's and that's the big thing when you when you have a team like the Mighty Ducks Anaheim who really. Because I had to do my homework on this. I was two when you were in the Stanley Cup final, so I had to kind of do. I had to go through the history books on this one, and the the cohesion you guys had at the back half of the season really just propelled you forward, and that was a really big deal, from what I understand. That the chemistry that you guys shared together was was a really incredible, incredible ride during that playoff run. Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, Babcock's first year as coach uh, and you know the first half of the year I'd say we you know faced a lot of adversity you know there was times you know at, at the first probably 20 games where it was like one good game one bad game or, you know I mean it's not like you know we were doing well and uh, I kind of remember uh, a game we played bad I can't remember where we were but you know we just played bad as a team and it was probably the third or third loss in four games or something and I remember you know you know obviously in the locker room guys are questioning stuff and whatever else and uh, I remember Paul Korea came in and kind of had a closed door meeting and he says hey listen we all either need to buy in here it's not going to work so everyone kind of put aside your egos and whatever else and you know if we don't listen to the coaches and play their system and you know at least give it a try what they're doing uh, we're never going to know kind of thing and I think, you know, hearing it from him, who, you know, I think if you watch the way he played, you know, for a lot of his career was kind of, you know, he kind of not did what he wanted, but, you know, he had a certain style, I guess, you know, I would say he played like everyone else did, you know, he was read the play, he anticipated and jumped or whatever, but I mean, he just bought into the system and when he does it, everyone has to do it and, you know, there was no excuses and then, you know, kind of got some hot gold pinning and started picking things up and it kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, and that's and that's and that like you said when your captain who is a phenomenal leader like Paul Correa is um just buys in, it really makes the difference with the rest of the team. So, shifting gears now to your 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 golden years, your glory years as I put them with the Chicago Wolves. Uh you played alongside Darren Hadar, the one of the most yeah. prolific players in American League history. What was he like as a leader on and off the ice from a teammate's perspective? Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously met Darren uh, back at UNH. Uh, I was a senior. He was a freshman. And, uh, you know, he came in, you know, my senior year, I guess our team wasn't expected to be, I'd say, as good as we were the previous couple of years because we lost, like, a ton of guys to, you know, NHL contracts or graduated and so on and so forth. So, you know, he comes in this small kind of little guy from Ontario who I'm literally tiny and, you know, not a super fast skater, not a super hard shot, um, you know, but it put up huge numbers. And, I mean, he just gets it. Like, you know what I mean? He thinks yeah. the game better than most people. And, you know, just as a teammate and, a, and everything like that, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's not one person you could find to say a bad thing about him. Uh, he's a team first guy and uh, you know always brings good energy to the rink and you know thing about him Darren I think is the bigger the game or the more pressure the situation is the better he is and there's only a, 
a handful of guys or a very small percentage of guys that are like that that can elevate their game and you know feel comfortable in those situations and you know he just did it time and time again and it didn't matter if, like I said people were bigger stronger faster or whatever else you know he just gets it done and yeah. that's you know why he's so well respected yeah and that's and that's that's I remember growing up watching him doing the doing my little play-by-play call when I was like five six years old watching like that the 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 like you said, the higher the stakes, the higher he elevated his game, and I think that's what made him so great on the ice as a, a player because he held the bar so high for the rest of the team. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, like I said, it's you know in the tightest games where you think you know you need like the big, strong, fast guy to be the difference maker. Like somehow, you know, he would win the battle or find a spot or make a play. And uh, you, know, you know, score that winning goal or set up that winning goal in, in, uh, in the, the biggest moment. Yeah. So, what was your favorite memory um, besides winning the Calder Cup? Uh, what was your What was your favorite memory with the Wolves, and what will you take away from that time in Chicago? <sighs> favorite memory. Uh, I don't know. I would probably that. The one year, I don't even know if we, I think it was the first year when Sterling, Sterling's first year. Um, I mean, the first, I don't know how many games it was, but it was, you know, ridiculous. I think the team we had, and, you know, I think we won 16 in a row or something like that, or without a regulation loss, or 16 or 17 uh, games. It was just every night. You know, we just felt so good, and it was different people and different lines, and you know, just being a part of that energy where it's like you feel like indestructible. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, what will I take away from Chicago? It's like it, it's just a family. You know, what I mean, it's it's a family. You know, even being back there a couple of years ago for the what was it, the 25th anniversary? I think. Yeah. You know that. Um, you know. Don just does everything first class and that's how he's always been and uh, you know you go back there and just feel right at home you know all the people around there Courtney and Bill and Wendell and you know Chevy and you know Gene and and all that and uh, you know they treat you so well and you know I think they expect a lot out of you but you you want to do that you know I mean when people take care of you like that it's like you want to you want to give your best and you know they just got to great organization there it's run so well and uh you know nothing but good memories from the city too like what a great place to live just good people and an overall great experience yeah that's that like i know in my time working with the wolves you know the like you said mr levine runs things in such a first class organization uh in a first class way with in his organization and you want to do good for those guys because they're they're putting in so much energy with you that you want to go out there and say, hey, this is what you did for me. Here's what I'm going to do for you on the ice. Yeah, they care. I mean, from Don to Courtney to, you know, Wendell, to, like all the people that are there, you know, they genuinely care and want you to feel comfortable. They want you to feel welcome, you, your family, your friends. Like, they care. There's a number of times that, like, you know, Don, you know, when I had family in town or friends in town and, you know, you have dinners or, yeah, bring them along. Like, it was just, you know... It's just over the top, and uh, like you said, you, you just want to, you know, 
make them proud, I guess, or you know, pour your heart out for them on the ice. And uh, you know, I think that's why the teams do well and people love playing them. Yeah. So you played a handful of games with the Vancouver Canucks during the 08-09 season. Although it was it was a couple games, you were you were from BC, uh, British Columbia. What did that mean for you playing for the the British Columbian team from Vancouver? Just being from that province, the provincial pride, playing for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, it was really cool because it was the year following the Calder Cup. Um, uh, that we won there and you know it was tough not to go back to Chicago I guess but I guess the opportunity came to to get enough to get a chance to play you know some time in Vancouver um, and you know my sister and her family's there and all a lot of my relatives my parents are uh, you know from the area and so it's a team yeah like you said it's a team I grew up watching um, from when I was a kid that you cheered for so uh, it was really special, uh, even though it was a short time. It's like even you know people still remember it here. It's, it's funny, like I hardly remember it, but you know people remember it. I think because you know, yeah, I'm from BC, I guess, and uh, so yeah, it's too bad I didn't get to play longer. But it was, I'm still grateful for that. Yeah, and that that like you said, it's like the guys uh, from Chicago. Like an example would be like Alex Vlasic, who got drafted by the Blackhawks uh, in last year's draft going to be playing for them possibly soon not while while you weren't drafted by Vancouver the same principle still applies you know you grow up watching this team watching the guys on the team and then you you get to slip on that sweater and then you get the goosebumps running down your spine yeah I think it's it's different too because you know I was away you know, at UNH is on the other side of the country, and, you know, New York, other side of the country, and Anaheim's pretty far away, and, you know, Chicago pretty far away, Atlanta, and that. And then, you know, just coming back home and being closer, you know, it's the same, my friends and everyone, you know, watch that team too, so it's it's different, you know, when you're, when you're right there rather than, you know, so far away, I guess, so it's a different feeling for them, and it's special, and, yeah, it's, it's uh, I guess feels like you're playing for your hometown team. Yeah, and that's that's a feeling that can't be replicated or copied in any fashion. Jason, before we head out tonight, is there anything else you want to add for our listeners in Chicago, Canada, and beyond? <laughs> I don't think so. No, but this is this has been a great experience. Jason Krog, Chicago Wolves alumni. Jason, thank you so much for the time. No problem. Thanks for having me, Frank.